Greg Waugh and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 80 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science and comedy and ignorance. ignorance. I am Greg Waugh. And I'm Dan Beeston. In episode 80 of Smart Enough to Know Better, we are going to be talking bugs and how to save the world by eating them. But before that happens, what has happened in your week in science? Well, I, I'm not... Just just steady on there, Dan, because I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually quite excited by something in this room. You're excited about something in the room? I am. Well, I'm, what... what I'm, 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 well, in the offices, in the comedy blimp. That's right. High above the city of Brisbane. It's true. Where all the science comedy ignorance is manufactured. And I'm staring at something that's I on don't your... Manufactured? I'd, I'd like to think that it's more crafted. I like to think of us as artisans. Oh, so we're, we're, a, um, we're like a craft comedy blimp. We're not, not like a, yeah. We're, we're not, not making enough money ah, to call it manufacturing. True, true. Well, speaking of which... On your shirt, yes. On your chest, you have a shirt. Uh, and on the shirt, no, you have a logo. Pointed you are with That's that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. It's, it's, it's our logo. It's our face, and it's our. It looks like it looks like we're staring into a big spotlight or a cannonball. Maybe I have no idea what it is. But it's our logo, and it, it's on your chest, Dan. It is the smart enough, no better official logo. It is. It's and amazing. what it is is it's it's representative of your old friends, Greg and Dan, mm-hmm. staring inquisitively down the barrel of a cannon. Which is what we do a lot. And just do a little twirl. A little twirl. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And on your back, you have the reversed logo with www.smartenough.org written on it. Yes. This seems like some sort of official T-shirt. Yes. You have owned one for over a year. I have, but we only but we could have them. Yeah, only special people would get them. Mm. Maybe if you won a competition. Maybe if you actually know me and went, please take my money. <laughs> and why is that? Because I'm too bloody busy slash lazy to actually set up a proper online store. But we've been listening to people complaining. They go, we want shirts. We want shirts. They've been hammering on the windows and they've been sending abusive emails and they've been doxing us and putting out. No, that's, that's not true. And they've been, they've been talking to us about how they want these shirts. And finally, we have said, leave us alone. We'll do it if you'll just back off. So we're starting an experiment. Yeah, it's an experiment. It's, exper- it's not an experiment. a science experiment, but we don't know whether it's going to work. An economic experiment. Well, we've got these shirts ready to go on a website that prints shirts in America. We're printing up T-shirts through teespring.com. If you go to the link that will be on the show notes, yep. we have two weeks. Two weeks to get a minimum number of shirts. That's only three weeks. That's only three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, not two weeks. Yeah. We have three weeks to support the campaign. Yeah. And if you get enough people who want these shirts, then they will have a shirt. They'll, they'll print them and they'll send them to you. And they'll print them and they don't have to worry about us messing you around. They'll be all there ready for you on the site. So go to the link underneath the sh- in the show notes of this podcast. We'll also tweet about it and we'll Facebook and that sort of stuff yeah. as well. Usually, you'll find it. You'll we'll know. pimp the shit out and of this you'll, thing. <laughs> you'll know all about it. Then get onto and get your Smart Enough shirt and then you can wear it with pride. And everyone go, what the heck is that? And you go, well, let me tell you. And then you'll just talk and talk and talk at them until they get confused and like move off. Or they start listening to the podcast. Oh, well, that'd be nice. <gasps> Nice. That'd be fantastic. And then subscribe. And then subscribe. So get onto that straight away. Pause the podcast right now. Go find the link. Pledge for a shirt. Join us. Join the army of Smart Enough mm. to Know Better. Or just keep listening to the podcast now. But at the end, where we remind you again, do it then. 
I've just let him off the hook, haven't I? I, was, I don't know. Do it now. Listen to Greg. I was going to do it at the end anyway. Like, do it to a. No, I know. Oh, I know we were going to do it at the end. That's right. why I'm saying that oh. this isn't their last chance to be reminded. But now I realise that I've shot ourselves in the foot. <laughs> that was a mistake. Welcome to the podcast, Daniela Martin. Sorry. She was waiting for you to introduce <laughs> I, her in glowing terms. I was, I was, I'm sorry. Dan, Daniela Martin is an entomophagist. I think I said that correctly. And we'll talk about what that is very soon. She's also the author of the book Edible. I'm not going to give uh, the byline of that book because I want you to explain what an entomophagist actually oh, is. Oh, that's the title of the book. I've already eaten the first four pages. No, no. <laughs> no, no, you made a, mis- made a mistake, Dan. Oh, so, so, I thought it was a label. <laughs> Daniela, what is an entomophagist? Uh, well, first of all, congratulations on pronouncing the term correctly that not everybody can. Uh, so uh, entomophagist is a, a combination of two words, ento for entomology, mm-hmm. right? Having to do with insects mm-hmm. and fa- a phage, P-H-A-G-E is something that eats something else. So an entomophagist is someone who eats bugs. Someone who eats bugs. Okay. Now I promised the person who put me in touch with you that I wasn't going to go, what? Because that would be unprofessional. <laughs> but I really want to go, what? And, and, and I don't, I mean, I mean, in the most respectful way, what? <laughs> As in, why eat bugs? Why? What's that about? Why? Well, it's got to be this? better than eating pages out of a book. Well, this is true. I've you, still you got an aftertaste. <laughs> so, so, Daniela, what... What, well, what both if, have a lot of fiber, so, you know. <laughs> Why eat bugs? What, what's that about? Why you're, you're, not, you're not a crazy person, are you? You're quite serious <laughs> you know, about this. I'm not. I'm not That's a crazy person. If you met me on the street, the last thing you would think is that she eats bugs. Right. Uh, you know, I have, I have no oh, tattoos. No, I, I, I think that about everyone, Daniela. I, I walk down the street going, that person eats bugs. That person eats <laughs> bugs. They all eat bugs. I'm just, that's just but me. You may want to see a therapist about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sorry, go on. But, uh, but yeah, I look exceedingly normal and straight arrow. But I'm really interested in the idea of eating insects because, well, to be perfectly honest, eating insects makes a whole lot more sense than not eating them. And in fact, much more sense than being as squeamish about them as we, as a culture, even you guys in, in Australia typically are. Very easy to farm. You, you know. Much easier to farm. They pretty much farm themselves. <laughs> well, they do, right. Insects in general require far fewer uh, agricultural resources in terms of water, land space, and food in order to produce the same amount of protein and other vital nutrients and, and minerals as other forms of livestock. They require, you know, hundreds to thousands of times fewer resources than and things like beef, mm. even less than things like chickens, which are actually remarkably efficient. Insects are, they're incredibly efficient in turning any type of food into a very complete, wholesome protein package that is actually really great for humans to eat. It's quite exciting to think about animals as being food engines. That's, yes, yeah. converting <laughs> sunlight into plants, into, into protein, Proteins. into energy for me. Right. It does seem sort of heartless to think of them as meat machines. But in many ways, <laughs> That, that really is what they are. And when you get down to high-density livestock farming, that's really what you're looking at. That's really the equation that you're thinking about. It takes the romance um, out of old McDonald's farm a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Old McDonald's algebra equation. Um, <laughs> Carry the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, but insects, you know, for instance, they can be raised 
you know, in a closet, unlike something like a cow that really thrives on being in the fresh air and having mm. space to roam around. Insects really are pretty happy being in, you know, closed, cramped, warm, dark environments. Mm. They don't mind being squished in with all their brethren. These are things that feel perfectly fine to most bugs. So there's a psychological aspect there of sort of the humaneness of raising insects for food as well. The byline of your book is it's edible, an adventure into the world of eating insects and the last great hope to save the planet. Daniela, that's a big call. That's a, that's a lot. That's a saying big, a lot, right? That's the last, it is the last great hope to save the planet. So what you're saying there in the book is that it's not sustainable to keep farming beef and pork and chicken and every other bit of meat that we eat on the planet the way we are right now. There's, it has to stop at some point. It has to change remarkably. Right. And, I mean, most people realize that we have reached peak meat when it comes to our available I, I climbed that space. once. That was like, you did you? It, it was a very smelly <laughs> climb, and it was awful. Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, wow, I'm just, yeah, I'm just picturing that. Um, <laughs> peak meat. Maggot Mountain. Yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> Most people will sort of, you know, will agree that we that we have as a species reached peak meat. We've reached the kind of limit of our available agricultural land. If we continue pushing it the way that we are, we're going to lose out on a lot of forests because in order to create more space for not only livestock to graze, but in order to raise the feed for the livestock to eat, deforestation is frequently the result. And the problem with that is it's kind of burning the environmental candle at both ends, the global warming candle, because you have methane production on the one hand from cattle, which is four times more potent yes, than yeah. carbon dioxide, yeah, 20 yeah. times more more it's, potent. It's, it's, it's you bad. know, a big, yeah. it's uh, bad. Last I heard, uh, methane um, was 11 times worse than uh, yeah. carbon dioxide. It's still bad. Yeah. Very bad. Much, much, much yeah. worse. Yeah. So you have that on the one side, and then you have on the other side, you're, you're stripping away the one thing that helps us neutralize that carbon, which is the forest. Mm. So this is something that is sort of generally accepted. Of course, there are absolutely exceptions. Small family farms are fabulous. Mm. Ruminants grazing on prairie land. That all makes sense. Mm. I'm not, you know, well, I was reading... very few of us are saying stop eating meat altogether. We're just saying, yeah, slow down a little. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm a vegetarian. And before I became a vegetarian, I was looking into ways of, because for ethical reasons more than anything else. And one of the things I read about was in the, in the Middle Ages, people didn't farm as well in that way, way lots of cows you had a couple of cows in your area and you would give them the scraps from your human food and they would set all pigs, whatever, and they would survive on that. So it was kind of like the waste disposal engines more than anything else. And then you would eat them, of course. Uh, and so it was a much more... Really? It, yeah, supposedly it was a lot more... Because you farmed your own meat. You didn't farm it for a million other people. So there was a different, right. a, a different density. So I'm guessing in the future, what you're suggesting then is that we move over to another source of protein. That's exactly right. And speaking of eating them food scraps, you know, there are several very tasty varieties of, of edible insects that can survive on human food scraps. And actually the turnover from that to another form of edible protein is actually much higher than it would be for something like a pig or even a chicken. So that's what people oh. are starting. My book actually detailed ways uh, of farming, mm. three different types of edible insects, crickets, mealworms, and waxworms. Mm. And so I'm starting to hear from people who are now incorporating these into their diets and farming them, you know, at home. Now, when I think about the anatomy of an insect, I think of like a, a hard shell mm. around a very gooey, snot green center. <laughs> Is And yet we're sort of discussing it like it's a little meat pellet. How, how, how does it differ from meat as we understand it 
Right. So there's a few different ways to look at this. It's, it's very hard to equate an entire, not kingdom, but um, kind of the asylum. Mm. Sorry, again, this is yes. pregnancy, fog brain. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a million different species of insects in the world. It's hard to equate them perfectly to something else we eat, but there are a few different ways of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Number one, I like to think of it in terms of, you know, people will say, oh, but you're eating the whole thing. Isn't mm. that gross? Isn't, you know, you're eating their brains and their guts and their, you know, <laughs> their organs. Well, that's exactly the same thing you're doing when you eat an oyster or a clam mm. or a mussel. And these are delicacies. Mm. There's no nobody has a problem with it when it's a clam, for mm. instance. You're eating the entire animal then, except for all the calcium and minerals you would be getting should you be able to actually chomp up that shell. And so then the other way of looking at it is in terms of eating snout nose to tail, I think they're calling it now, where you're actually eating more parts of the animal and less of it is going to waste. And of course, this is what our ancestors used to do. Mm. You know, the Native Americans, for instance, used to eat the heart and the liver and the kidneys. There's other cultures that eat the stomach and the lungs and the brain. Mm. This is not unheard of, and it's much more efficient. I had some haggis recently. Those Scots know right. what they're talking about when, they, when they're eating <laughs> right, lungs and exactly. hearts. It's a spicy mint. Right, and it's a far more efficient use of the animal, but it's also more efficient nutritionally. You know, there's things that you can get from those organs that you won't get from just the straight muscle. Most of us are just straight muscle eaters. Yes, yeah. So actually incorporating the bones for an insect, mm. their bones, they have exoskeletons, so they're on the outside of their body. Mm. So it's as if you could actually pick up a tiny cow and eat the whole thing. Oh, now you've, I'm converted. What? I'm, I'm converted. That sounds fantastic. Right? They're just <laughs> popping back little cows like popcorn. Right. Well, and then there's the third thing that you got to think about in terms of industrial processing, mm. right? When you take a cow from the pasture to the supermarket shelves, you're actually losing 40 to 75% of their weight. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Yeah. That well, much. Think about it. Yeah. Well, the... Right. I mean, a cow is only so much muscle. Mm. You know, skin. the biggest part of the cow is actually their stomach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they can digest grass and turn it mm. into that. They got four of them. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Very good. I well, learned that when I was quite young. Basically, it's, yeah. But it's basically one big stomach. Then the other stomachs are inside of that stomach. Right. But you know, you're talking teeth, you're talking hide, mm. bones, eyeballs, mm. hooves, all of these things, those are not going to your plate. So this is more of a Western thing because if you go on holidays in exciting parts of the world, then they will happily feed you brains and tongues. And in Morocco, when I was in Morocco, they happily shared, they gave you a sheep's head and said, eat the cheek. So it's, it's really, we, we soon become very squeamish in the West because we yeah. only eat certain certain cuts of meat. Yeah, and it's actually, but it's really silly if you think about all of the nutrients that we're missing out on that are in those organs. Mm. I just want to equate, so just get my head around this, because when I was reading a book, I had that squeamish reaction. I have to be honest and say, I went, whoa, bugs. And <laughs> and, uh, and then I just said, no, that's just, just a cultural thing for me. Uh, I mean, I've, I've visited sure. many, many places in the southeast of Asia where, where they eat tarantulas and that sort of stuff, and I have no problems with that sort of thing. So uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just my cultural upbringing. But uh, the way I try to get it in my head... And I just want to know if you think it's the same way. Is it, is it kind of like crustaceans? Is it kind of like eating shellfish or like, like prawns, shrimps? Yes, I think there's a very strong correlation. There's not only a strong correlation to be drawn there sort of ideologically, but biologically as well. Mm. Uh, something like a tarantula or a scorpion is actually quite closely related mm. to crustaceans. Lobsters used to be called sea insects. Yeah, that's, yes. Exactly. So with a, with exactly. a, with a prawn, you, you cut the head off the prawn. You don't eat the head of the prawn and then you shell Some it. people do. 
Some, Plenty of people eat the head. That's a, yeah, okay, good point. As a squeamish people like me didn't eat the head. I don't like to eat anything that's right. staring at me. It's always always puts me off. As, and then you you shell it basically, and you have the meat inside. So would would the meat of an insect, if you had a large rhinoceros beetle, let's say, or a tarantula, right. could, could you do the same thing? Could you take the shell off? I know that's getting rid of calcium, but would that would, you can? You can. Uh, I mean, so I mean that's a tough one, right? I mean, if we could eat the shell of the crick of the cricket mm. of the of the shrimp, yes. <laughs> We probably would, because that's a great source of calcium. I, in fact, do typically eat both the head and the and the tail parts if I can, right. you know, manage the. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't remember where the the fancy word for chew. Masticate. <laughs> Masticate. That's the one. That's the one. I guess this image of um, you you trolling the oceans, like striking left and right. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know if you remember that that scene in Splash, but I remember seeing Splash as a little girl. That scene where she bites into the lobster's shell. I always love that. Uh, That's a reference. There's a reference I hadn't thought of for a long time. There you go. <laughs> and lobsters, actually, obviously, you know, usually the most expensive thing on the on the menu. They're detritus feeders. They mm. feed on rotting dead things on the on the ocean floor. They are not a super clean animal. Mm. Do you think people would be happier if we just had a bigger insect? You just have like a lobster. If we could take a cricket. No, get, no, a foot long no cricket. one would be happy with that. A foot long cricket is terrifying. The concept terrifies everyone. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't think it ought to terrify everyone. I think it's a great idea if we could somehow make it work. Hmm. The reason you don't have bigger bugs is because of the oxygen percentage in our atmosphere. I think they need a much higher level of hmm. oxygen in order to sustain a larger body. Something oh, like that. They've got no lungs. Yeah, that's right. The air has to go through what spiracles, I think they're called. And, and you need a, it just pushes. Yeah, they have in. very different. That's right. Because hmm. we used to have apparatus. giant bugs back yeah. in the. Uh, 300 yeah. million years ago or something like that? Or? Yeah. A long yeah, time ago. before the Cretaceous. Yeah, well, what's, before, what's the one before that one? Before dinosaurs, I thought. But, yeah, yeah. So, about, yeah. so we look about three hundred million or so, maybe more. But yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah oh. foot long dragonflies, but you had twenty percent right. oxygen rather than eight percent oxygen. That'd be, that'd be, no, we're at twenty percent. We're twenty three percent now. It must be higher than that. It must have been forty. Yeah, but anyway, so we're getting off. Can you imagine? You could just chow down. You reach up. In the Not sky, in this room. This room only has seven percent right. oxygen. <laughs> you, can, you can understand that by the crap that we're speaking right now. It's mostly <laughs> nitrous <laughs> oxide. <laughs> so, uh, we, so we're shelling them. So if you could take a large you can't get a large insect in today's day and age because of the oxygen content so we were stuck with the small insects my problem with farming them is how much space do you need to farm an insect or to farm enough insects to feed me as a human being and i have a big well let me me sort of answer one question at a time so i have shelled for instance large scorpions Mm. and their flesh tastes very much like shellfish very much like crab or or lobster Right. Only it's actually much cleaner. So that is technically possible, hmm. but in general, I think it's much more efficient. It's part of the, you know, crunchy fun <laughs> to eat the whole bug. <laughs> That's the ad. Um, oh, that'd be, um, that'd, that'd be Martin's, Martin Scorpion's crunchy fun. That's brilliant. Yeah. And that's not unheard of. They have scorpion farms in Thailand and China. This is, you know, absolutely not unheard of. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Um, wait. The first thing in my mind, don't farm the ones that will kill you if you fall in the pit. That's the, that, <laughs> farm the ones that will just jump on you. But if you a scorpion or a poisonous spider, a venomous spider, I should say, then of course they're the bad ones to uh, to because it's like velociraptors. You put them in a cage and they attack and they break out. So I put had the nice ones, the, the beautiful ones, the like like rhinoceros. You've beetles. obviously never fallen in a pit full of cows. <laughs> <laughs> obviously not. There's there's actually a guy in Thailand who raised scorpions for food for many years and then had what you know an epiphany at some point that that this was cruel and so as his in order to uh, atone 
Uh-oh. he now lives with thousands of live scorpions crawling through his house. And he claims they rarely sting him. They rarely sting uh, him. But, you know, really? again, not really? unprecedented. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, <laughs> rarely. I love the fact that it's rarely. I go to hospital once a year. It's fine. It's, it's just my it's usual. Fine. Oh, look, it's Bob again. Hi, Bob. Uh, oh, look, well, I mean, we, we have a lot of wasps around my place. Yes, you yeah, probably get sco- immune at some point. Yeah, and and a, and a sco- like not all scorpions are like killer scorpions. That's true. With yes. like the- very few, very, very few, few. Are, killer, are dangerous at all. Especially all the ones I've ever eaten. If you get stung by them, it's like a bee sting. It's mm. certainly nothing lethal. Right. And we right. encourage um, wasps around our place because they're good pollinators and they keep away all the other insects mm. off the garden. Oh, so. I'm so glad you say that. Most people, I don't know if you've seen the meme, you know, uh, you know, bees are great, wasps are just assholes. All right. Uh, but it's very misinformed. <laughs> it's thoroughly misinformed because, mm. you know, unlike bees, while they do still contribute to pollination, exactly, they do. They also keep uh, pests under control. So mm-hmm. wasps are fantastic and they taste great. And it, oh, <laughs> all right. Well, so, next so you've time. got a whole hive, Dan, of, of popcorn waiting for you outside. We've, I think we've got four hives around the house, except that oh, if, wow. if, if they ever sting us, that's when the hive goes down. Oh, like well. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cold war is scenario. It's assured destruction, is it? Well, <laughs> no, I don't assure my own destruction at all. <laughs> I cover myself head to toe in, uh, in clothing and gloves oh. and I wear a hoodie and how, make the hoodie really small at the front. How do you know which wasp it was? They're like, no, 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 it wasn't us, it was the other one, man. It was, it was, it was, it was Jimmy the wasp. He's like, no, no, it was you. Like, no, no, we all look alike to you people. Oh, like, oh hey, I'm not a wasp racist. <laughs> What are you saying? Speciest. Speciest. No, a wasp Speciest. racist because I can tell the difference between... <laughs> the different races of wasps. And yeah. Anyway, we're getting way off track. So wasps are actually quite tasty. There you go. Hey, there you have it. Yeah, they're very tasty, uh, especially as uh, as larvae. They're mm. very juicy and uh, and nutty. Very, very good. Now, in our culture, in Australia, well, uh, in Australian culture, Indigenous Australian culture, I have to say, I, I, <laughs> I realised I was talking on a very dangerous track that were saying our culture because I'm not an Indigenous Australian, but eating witchetty grubs is a big thing. That's kind of like, I, I grew up as a child going to go in the bush, somehow find a witchetty grub, eat it. <laughs> and it's a big fat, it's like thick as your thumb. Hmm. And it's it, like a roast turkey. And, and actually, Just carve off yeah, so, yeah, slices off big, the grub. They're a big, big insect. So it's... Right. It, these people have in the past eaten lots of grubs and things like that, but that's it always seems like a very dangerous place to go here, but it, a concept of, in inverted commas, primitive to eat bugs. So it's it's the whole idea of, of the mechanised West eats cows and people who can't afford to do that eat bugs. So it, there seems to be a problem there in the way we think about it. Yeah, a lot of people do have that that sort of idea of it in their heads that mm. that, that eating insects is something that only savages do. Mm. There are plenty of cultures where it's a delicacy and where it's actually very expensive and even in some cases more expensive mm. to eat insects. Even in a place like Africa, there are certain types of, they're called a mopane worm, and they live on the, the mopane tree, and they are a caterpillar. And uh, in season, they actually are more expensive than beef. Yes. Oh, um, nice. But they're incredibly nutritious and apparently taste very good. I've never gotten there, a chance to try them. There are some very um, popular markets down in Melbourne where I am told that uh, like there are a whole bunch of really famous chefs who go down there every Saturday morning and they sell their wares and they cook stuff up. And there's one particular place where they actually do cook insects, delicacy of insects, and they're really popular. Really? Oh, man, that's... That's cool. I, I'm just add, mentally adding it to my bucket list. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of my dreams is to get to Australia and get to try out some of these uh, these bush bugs. 
like uh, uh, witchetty grubs witchetty and grubs, um, yeah. and the honeypot ants. I just oh uh, uh, yes, yeah, that's the other good one. Yes, maybe, maybe we, my, one of my dreams. Maybe we could grab some and put them in a box and post them <laughs> over. Yeah. I'm sure that the, uh, the, the the government has no problem with us exporting no problem animals whatsoever. Australia I'll, I'll pop a couple of good nice that. snakes and a cockatoo in there too. <laughs> see how yeah. that, <laughs> see how that goes. Yeah. Well, well, actually, you know, we were talking about mapani uh, worms mm. from Africa. Periodically, people will get busted trying to uh, smuggle them into places like Britain, mm. where there are African communities, because they know they will sell well. So there's, you know, frequently these guys who will get caught by the airline authorities, the the TSA, uh, for having false bottom suitcases chock full of dried caterpillars. Right. So <laughs> importing or exporting in that sense does not typically go very well. So this leads us to the next issue. Let's say that you've convinced our listeners. Our listeners are like, yes, we want to eat bugs. Now, your book has many, many, many exciting recipes. My favorite one in there was the mealworm taco. So that's the one that I went, I'd actually try that. Like, that's the one that I went, that's, yeah. my, that's my opening gambit into the world of eating insects. Oh, you can eat anything in a taco. So it's actually it's a waxworm. Mm. Waxworms actually live in beehives, and they, when they're in captivity, they live on a diet of uh, bran and honey. So they have mm. a very light, nutty, mushroomy taste. Mm. And they were the first bug I ever cooked myself, uh. and that is a recipe I consistently go back to. So I do not, I do not blame you for your choice. <laughs> so you can start with that one. But in Australia, it's like when I've been looking around, saying, okay, because well, see, as, as once again, as a vegetarian, I, I've, I've tried and kept around the ethical issues and whether or not insects can feel pain and that sort of thing, and whether or not they. Yeah. They're aware of their own own demise. This is all stuff that people. I'm not going to. I don't think about that stuff at well, all. That, no, that, at all. <laughs> and that's okay. That's something everyone has their own level. So I'm. I if I wanted to get into involved in eating bugs as a protein source, it's very difficult to get access to them here in in Brisbane, Australia, on the, on the east coast of Australia. It's it's just not mm-hmm. culturally acceptable yet to eat bugs. So, yet. So how do we get how do we get around to doing it? How do we actually get these bugs? Even in the US, you know, there's very few restaurants yet that are serving mm. this kind of thing and and companies that are selling them. Although we do it's booming. I, I you know, I feel like there's a new what we call entrepreneur, somebody who's starting a bug-based <laughs> startup. I uh, see what's happening you know, there. Well done. The That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, it's definitely growing. Mm. Uh, there's somebody in Australia I know that is that is raising insects for food. But you know what I've always had to do is order them from farmers who are raising them for pet food, raising them for people to feed to their birds or their reptiles. Uh, you know <laughs> the, they will arrive live on your doorstep in a box, and you put the box in a freezer. Yes. Uh, and the next day, the bugs are humanely killed and ready to be cooked. That's that, that was my, so, that, I forgot, that's I what I've always question. done. So that you brought that up though, because I know people might be listening now, going, "Wait, how do we humanely kill these things? Because they are animals." So yeah. you, you recommend freezing? I do. Insects are cold-blooded. That's one of the reasons they are so efficient at turning food in into body mass out. Mm. They're not. Know, quote unquote, wasting it by metabolizing it into warmth to heat their bodies. Yes. Uh, because wasteful they are mammals. <laughs> they're right. endothermic. They're actually very wasteful mammals. Yes, mammals are very wasteful in that yeah, respect. Yeah, we're terrible, terrible um, things. Insects tend to get their warmth from their environment, mm. uh, which is why they grow so much bigger and better in tropical zones. So there's, since they're cold blooded, there's no physical discomfort per se in them getting 
even colder. They just kind of slow down, slower, slower, slower until they kind of don't wake up. Mm. It's not like if you were some, if you as a mammal, as a warm blooded animal were put into a freezer, that'd be very, very uncomfortable. Mm. But for an insect, it's kind of par for the course. Mm. <laughs> it's a way of going out. Well, we hmm. actually put in. It's one of the in Australia we have a problem with uh, cane toads, and which are introduced species. Yes. And uh, I and, should eat them. No, they're very they're very poisonous. Unfortunately, they're, oh, they, they don't don't eat them. No. Please don't eat them. Um, they they have poison. Very like if dogs eat them, they die. Like they, they can die. They're very very poisonous oh, animals. Ter- well, but the dogs are eating them raw. <laughs> you are have... they still poisonous? Well, no, oh. seriously, are they still poisonous? Oh, I, just, I don't know. That's a good question. I imagine Chef. if you got one of those uh, Japanese like, pufferfish chefs yeah, and yeah. Sort of filleted <laughs> them properly, yes. you might yeah, be able to some... They have glands. The glands are on the back, on their necks on the back of their head, and they can squirt this oh, white yeah. stuff at you uh, if you upset them. They can actually mm. squirt you. And can't you lick them and get a little bit? No. No, no, no. Don't lick cane toads. No, no, no. That's a, that's a Simpsons thing, and please don't, don't lick. No, no. You can get very sick very, very quickly. Um, well, that's the point, isn't it? Why, why I'm mentioning this is when I was younger, uh, the, the humane way of killing them was taking it to a golf club and, like, you know, hitting them down the fairway. But nowadays yeah. we're a bit more It didn't involved. hurt you at all. No, no. It doesn't sound humane. No, no, yeah. it's not. No, but, but, yeah. but fathers... Oh, are... no, because sometimes people's shoulders would go out. It was very inhumane. <laughs> fathers of a certain generation would delight in telling stories of taking the, the wedge and wedging them across the room. But, oh. uh, I, I know, I know, it's Australian. Australian dads of the 1970s, what can we say? Right, uh, but sure. <laughs> it's, it's a dad thing. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, but but freezing them became the way of killing them. Now they actually, if you get them, put them in a plastic bag, put them in the freezer, and they and they die yeah. quietly. So okay, so freezing yeah. them is the way to kill the insects humanely. Now, does that affect them? Because if you uh, freeze a uh, flower, a, a, a flower or, or a lettuce or plant, you can actually damage the cell structure of the plant by the water freezes. Is that going to be a problem with the insects? Wow, that's a good question. I think it's very unlikely. It's it's shrimp fishermen will typically have a bath of ice water to put the shrimp directly into once they're caught. Mm-hmm. So the idea of freezing cold-blooded game. Mm. I think is pretty is pretty typical, and I don't I don't know that it necessarily makes a huge difference That's cell structure wise. I love it's the fact question. You, I just love the fact you called it game. I really love that there's a, well, a changing changing of the way we think about these things. So if I brought a brace of rabbits home, people would be very surprised. But if I if I went <laughs> hunted rabbits and brought them home and ate them, said let's eat these things, then that's called game. Right. So if you get an insect, it's also game as well. It's just the way we think right. about it once again. But if I were to eat game, like if I were to go out and shoot a pig mm. and eat the pig, because it's not farmed, there are certain dangers of diseases, parasites, parasites, parasites. that sort of stuff. What sort Absolutely. of uh, do you have to worry about that sort of stuff eating insects? Yeah, especially if you're eating a foraged insect. If you're eating, obviously, farmed insects, those dangers go way down. The thing to think about is that typically a pathogen that affects something like an insect is not likely to affect also a human. You know, a pig, at least, is a mammal. <laughs> It's yes. actually a pretty advanced animal. Oh, th- uh, they, compared to, diseases are always jumping back and forth. They're so different from us biologically. I mean, they don't even typically have blood vessels. You know, their blood just kind of sloshes throughout their bodies. Their skeletons are on the outside of their bodies. They're so different from us that a disease that would attack an insect is very unlikely to also attack a human. Mm. You know, the, the when we think of insects as being disease vectors, they're really just vectors for human disease, right? Uh, a mosquito is not dying of mm. malaria. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's one thing uh, to think about. But uh, because in the wild you don't know what they've come in contact with, they may have picked up a parasite. 
you definitely want to cook them thoroughly. You probably wouldn't want to eat bugs that bit humans, I guess. I wouldn't either. I, you know, I don't actually think it's that. Usually the heat itself can denature uh, any kind of a poison or a venom or a, yeah. But not a virus. Viruses. Yeah, well, right, exactly. Uh, But, but then again, you have to think about most of the the malaria, for instance, is bloodborne. Now, if you, Mm. if you subject it to the acid in your stomach, and, you know, is it still going to infect you? I don't think so. Again, yeah. I'm not I'm not advocating eating mosquitoes. That to me grosses. I think that's gross. But <laughs> oh, hello, you know, hello. Native, well, Native Americans, you know, there's plenty of you know early human <laughs> cultures that used to eat you know body lice. Mm. Yes, that's true. Now, I just want to go back to like people have been eating insects for a long time, and, and different cultures. I mean, it's been, as I said, it's just in some cultures they would be listening to this podcast going. What's the big deal? I mean, really, what what is the big deal? Or uh, yeah. they'd also be sitting there going, so what's this beef thing you've been talking about? I'd, I'd, I'd maybe, like to try that out. Maybe, maybe. When I mentioned that I was chatting to you to a few people, someone passed me, a, a religious friend of mine, passed me um, a part of Leviticus. I don't know if you know yes. this one. But uh, in Leviticus, then it says that um, you can, you, you're like, it's, it's considered a clean animal. Insects are, so if you're wondering about kosher or anything like that, so the locust is considered fine. And the uh, the cricket is considered fine, and the grasshopper is fine, but wind insects, which are four footed, which is a bit weird because it's an insect, but anyway, are, de- right. are detestable. So I don't know what that means, but anyway. So it, it, even the Bible says if that's your bag, it's not particularly my bag, but if that's your bag, then it has it has actually has uh, historical slash biblical connections as well. Yeah, it does. Uh, depending on the version of, of Leviticus, I think mm. it's uh, eleven twenty two. That's the one. Uh, yeah, different ranges of insects are are considered uh, kosher, for instance. Yes. Mm. So in some versions, it's just certain types of locusts, and some it's any insect with its legs up above its body, and anything from a cricket to a katydid to a a grasshopper. Ah, So it really really depends. I love the idea in the future. People will be be sitting down, working out things like the Bible and ancient scripture, and saying... But can we eat a tarantula? What, what, what does the Bible have to say about the tarantula? Well, you know, it's so funny because there's certain things that have that are that are clearly outlawed in Leviticus: mm. pigs and shellfish, mm, mm. which plenty of people eat. Yes, and for some reason, insects never made it past the ban. I, I, I was always amused when it lists off all the birds, and it sort of ends and goes: swans, crows, and fruit bats. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, there's a list of the birds, and the final bird is the fruit bat. But you're not really? allowed to eat it. Not allowed, not allowed to, it's a bird. Not allowed to eat it. Yeah, they're, they're classifying fruit bats as birds and insects as having four legs. Yeah, their, their taxonomy was a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Left something to be desired. <laughs> so getting back to actually feeding, feeding myself, if mm-hmm. I needed to eat, because I always say you have to eat about, in a week, about a fist-sized amount of meat. Is that correct, Dan? You're a meat eater. You um, well, I eat about one human hand a week, so that would be about right. <laughs> so it's about, I, I, I always thought it, you need to eat about, oh, I feel I'm going to get in trouble here, but 80 to 100 grams of protein, uh, and meat is a good source of protein. Would I have to eat the same amount of insect protein, so like 100 grams to, to stay alive? Yeah, I mean, protein is protein. Okay, so the insect, um, the insect is equivalent to beef in that, in that respect? You'd have the same mass of it? So that's where things get a little dicey. Beef, for instance, has less protein percentage than chicken. So you really can't oh. equate 
animals just across the board mm. in terms of, well, they all have the same amount of protein per you know muscle mass. Mm, mm. So that's one thing to think about. Another thing to think about is when you're eating an insect, again, you're not eating just the straight muscle like you are with steak. You're eating bones, you're eating blood, guts, all that other stuff. So it's not... It's not a one-to-one ratio. Okay. In terms of just straight protein, you probably would have to eat a little bit more cricket mm. uh, than you would just straight muscle, like like again, like a hamburger or steak. But then again, you are getting a great deal more mm. of other nutrients. For instance, there is far more calcium yes, uh, in a cricket right. than in beef. There is actually far more iron in crickets than uh-huh. in beef, which is kind of surprising because we think of beef as being one of the highest sources of iron and mm. you know crickets actually blow that out of the water they're higher in b12 uh higher in Good for the zinc brain, B12. so a lot of these things are things you also want to get in addition to just straight protein right okay but so, so people ask that a lot well how many would i have to eat yeah well and that's a, to me that's a very odd question because nobody thinks of how many shrimp they have to eat in order to equal a hamburger yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but... just eat you know about the same mm. mass you I... know? so it might be a hundred crickets for you know a hamburger yeah I guess once again, the whole is just just not knowing. Is you go, what 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 am I doing? Is it going to be weird? Do I have to? Yeah. Do I have to change my life here? What's the? Because let's face it, people are inherently lazy, and uh, and they're not going to change what they're doing unless it's easy for them to change. Right. No, I totally agree. And in Thailand, and th- the Thailand version of Costco, they have big bags of frozen insects right in the frozen food section. So it's really easy to go and get a bag full of frozen bamboo worms, for instance, and adding those to your stir fry is then, it's a no-brainer. Right. So uh, We're not quite there yet. <laughs> yes, yeah. If I was coming from a position where I hadn't eaten insects before and it was a bit of a weird jump to make, what are some recipes that make that transition easy or easier? Well, it depends. Yeah, so some people actually really like to be able to see the bug. <laughs> uh, in which case, I actually highly recommend getting some type of larva that doesn't totally gross you out, like a mealworm or a waxworm. Hmm. And remember that these these larvae are eating a usually a cleaner diet than you. They're usually eating wheat bran or especially, oat bran. Especially Dan. Dan's diet's awful. So I'm a bottom feeder. He's a, he's a, he's a, a lobster. He's the deegan lobster, we call him <laughs> yeah well honestly i mean they you know people think of them as being so you know disgusting and slimy first of all they're completely dry they're not slimy at all and they actually are far cleaner than than most humans taking some of those and actually roasting them in the oven is a great way to start because they come out tasting very similar to nuts right oh, um, wow okay that's that's, so that's, that's that. really Another easy way- then yes yeah, it's very easy. The other way to do it is to dry them. Uh, again, you can roast them in the oven and then grind them up into powder and then just add that powder into whatever you're making, be it a smoothie or soup yeah, or muffin mix. Yeah. And then you're getting, you know, obviously the whole insect because you ground it up, you're getting all that protein and these other nutrients and you're probably not even tasting it. Actually, now so, I've uh, already eaten insects before, haven't I? Because yeah. some... You sleep with your mouth open. Because yeah. shush, those are arachnids. <laughs> Um, the, yeah. uh, not true. That's, that's, a myth, that's not true. That's not true. Okay, but aren't some food colorings that under the uh, guise of like fl- red yeah. flavor six two nine or something? Um, chick, um, that's uh, actually just ground up beetles, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so you're thinking of uh, co- cochineal beetles. That's which, the one. Uh, the yes. Bugs, uh, which are used in some red dyes. Yes. But <laughs> actually, it goes much farther than that. Pretty much any processed food, anything that was made in a factory and comes in a package, mm-hmm. has it, some some level of insect matter in it. 
by by design or by we can't keep uh, it not, out? Not by design, just by, you know, it's really impossible to filter that stuff out. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> we think about ketchup, for instance. Mm. That's not coming from the beautiful red, unbruised, unholy <laughs> tomatoes that are at your supermarket, Ew. right? Those are, the, those are the cast-offs, the rejects, <laughs> the ones that have worms in them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so anything along those lines. Oh, uh, I would love bread, to. I, chocolate, I, I have an urge now to take a sample of, of tomato sauce anywhere I can and then do a DNA test on it and find how much animal animal DNA is actually inside it. It's within the yeah. it's within the legal limits. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, if you, I don't know what it is for Australia, but the FDA here has a page that actually outlines how much insect matter is allowed <laughs> for food types. You can, <laughs> you can find you can find one wow. elephant beetle in a hundred bottles. It's perfectly fine. It's it's, you, it's yeah. like well, it's like, like a McHappy meal. It's, it's fine. Like, like you know insect parts it's mm. at a certain level it's you know up to like 100 insect parts per 100 grams or that's, this many maggots are allowed in oh, jam and I mean, it's really that's great I think an enormous amount of our listenership just completely freaked out <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're staring at their staring at their burgers much more suspiciously <laughs> well I mean I think this idea that we are that removed from nature and from the insect world is, is false it's, it's completely just it's an illusion. You know, we're, we're all of us crawling with tiny Demodex lights, you know, that uh, live in our skin pores uh, and mate on our faces while we sleep. Oh, uh, wow. You know, this is work- it's, like, it's like living in college again. What the heck's that about? I can hear our listenership <laughs> dropping. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I just love the idea with the mealworms. You see about going back to grinding them down because I've always wanted to live out my fantasy of being the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk of I will grind his bones to make my bread. Oh, yeah, I like that. There you That's go. exactly Right. So you're a giant mealworm. Fantastic. Now, I. Yeah. what's your favorite? Your book has many, many, many recipes, and your website, Girl Meets Bug, also has a .org, I do believe. Uh, .com. .com, sorry. It's a girlmeetsbug.com. Okay. Only awesome people have .org addresses. That's <laughs> ones, who couldn't, no, yeah. ones who couldn't get the... I'm not non-profit yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have many recipes on there and lots of information, which people should definitely go and look at. Definitely read the book, and I mean, which is a great book, and definitely go to yeah. the website. What was, what's your favorite insect recipe? What's not, not, not the easiest one, not entry level? What's the one you go, ah, this is the one I would serve to you if I wanted to impress you very, very, very greatly? Oh, boy. See, that, those are two different things because, honestly, if I were just going to make it for myself, I would do something really basic like mm. a waxworm taco. Mm. I love waxworm. I like to say I'm a larva girl. Uh, I really I really like them. They are, In a lava so... world. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> Tastes like peanuts. <laughs> anyway. Uh... Nobody's ever said that when I've said that. Hey. And they just taste very like a cross between a pine nut and a Japanese enoki mushroom to me. Mm. And I grew up in partly in Japan, so to me, it's I, I really I really like them. I you know that was my definitely favorite. Mm. But but if you were trying uh, to impress, if I was really trying to impress someone, yes. I would probably make my asparagus cicadas with uh, garlic aioli. Oh, I actually, um, that actually sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. You know, cicadas live their whole lives sucking plant sap. Mm. So they suck the root sap out of trees, and they spend up to a couple decades doing it, and then they emerge, and uh, they emerge pounce. millions. Huh? And you're ready to pounce. Yeah, and then you just collect them right off the trees, and they have a very vegetal, fresh taste, oh, okay. and they go really well with garlic and asparagus and aioli actually i'm fascinated by that because i used to live in northern queensland and we actually had 
cicada swarm. So they would actually come out of the yeah. ground, climb the trees. And, and so when I heard about, like, in America, the, the massive swarms, I was like, oh, Australia has those. We had those. Like, we have those all the time. And Well, where I lived in northern Queensland, very tropical, very warm. And now I just wish I could go back and eat them. I need to go back there yes. now and pluck <laughs> them from the tree and go, yum. Because you could get a bucket full of them, no problems. I used to collect the shells. No problem. And, oh, that's I mean, oh, so much, so much missed opportunity. And and there's this wonderful yeah. notion that you ring a restaurant and go, "I'd like to I'm coming in to have this food." And they go, oh, "Of course, sir. Uh, you'll have to come in on a year that's a prime number, yes, a, a prime yeah. factor." <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is- yeah, but no, they are. They're so plentiful that even animals you don't think of as being carnivorous will eat them. You know, you'll see squirrels eating them. Well, it tastes like nuts. It tastes like nuts. <laughs> they must. They must taste kind of like nuts. <laughs> the question I need to ask now, before we finish up. How did you get into eating insects? What what made you make this jump? Or have you always been eating insects? <laughs> yeah, Are yeah, you a, some sort of wild woman that like grew up in the wild, <laughs> raised by wolves? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah, I was I was raised by insectivorous bears, <laughs> um, which actually exists. The the giant sloth bear or, or shack, gosh, something like that is actually almost fully insectivorous. <laughs> I'm now picturing um, you as the girl from Brave. Yeah. I was studying uh, pre-Columbian nutrition for my degree in anthropology in college. So I was really interested in what the, the Maya and Aztecs were eating before Columbus got here. And it turns out that because they didn't have big game like bison, like we do in other parts of the Americas, they ate a much broader range of animals. They basically ate everything that moved across their landscape, including to a large extent, insects. And so then when I was in Mexico and the Yucatan doing my field research for my uh, for my degree, I had wonderful a wonderful experience where I bought a bag of chapulinas in the market stall in Oaxaca, Mexico. And there are these bright red grasshoppers that taste like a sour Dorito kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and I poured them out onto my cafe table to to take a picture of them. And the next thing I knew, I was surrounded by native Mayan kids who wandered in off the street to eat my grasshoppers right off my table. <laughs> you know, and so for a young anthropology student, this is like this really wonderful moment of cultural immersion where mm. you're, you know, seeing these kids eating them because they taste good and not because it's historically accurate. Mm. <laughs> and so it was just this wonderful moment. I just, I've been fascinated ever since. Well, thank you very much, Daniela. Martin, it's been a fantastic chatting to you today about eating bugs. Uh, Daniel, it was great talking to you guys. Daniela's book is called Edible: An Adventure into the World of Eating Insects and the Last Great Hope to Save the Planet. I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed the read and also learned a lot from it as well. Thanks. The reason I knew I was going to like this book, the moment I opened it up, and it's the dedication page, and it says, "For Brian, my smizma." And if anyone knows anything from Futurama, <laughs> that means a lot, and that means Daniela Martin is a brilliant person who deserves everyone <laughs> everyone to read her book two or three times over. Buy seven copies. <laughs> Thank you so much. No. Nobody has noticed that except uh, for you. Uh-huh. Where the bugalos roam. Bugalos roam. Thank you very much, Daniela. Thanks, guys. Hey, I had a bit of a tech joy this week mm-hmm. because my house is very thin and long. Right. And the phone line is next to the modem, Mm -hmm. and the modem is next to the Wi-Fi router, Mm -hmm. and the Wi-Fi router beams out its magic beams throughout the house. Cancerous beams, that's not true. And the bedroom is all the way down the other end of the house, and the signal is a little bit poxy and crappy. Mm. I'm like, right, I've got to drill through the wall, Mm. put in a little plug, run a cable under the house, 
make the Wi-Fi router in the middle of the house or the other end of the house so that it sort of beams to all the house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, God, that's a bit of pain. I went under the house and there's not even any access into the walls down there. And I was like, oh, this is going to be too hard. It's too hard. And then I went to the iInet website. But you can get these anywhere. And I wish iNet would actually sponsor the podcast. That would be awesome. But at any rate, uh, they they sold this little device. It's like it's two little white boxes that plug into the wall, and they look like you know those scent things where you or the mosquito repellent, where it's a little white box. You put in a little pink card, mm. plug it into the wall, and it exudes anti mosquito stuff or mm. or potpourri smell or something. Looks like them. Mm. Plug one in next to the modem. Plug a cable from the modem into the box, and then you move the Wi-Fi router all the way out down the other end of the house. And then you plug the other box into the wall and run a cable from the Wi-Fi router into the box. And the internet signal travels into the little box through the electrical wiring of the house oh. and out the other box. And it just connects the whole house without having to run Cat5 everywhere. Oh, there you go. I, you, it's a, not, there you go. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. I mean, I know that physically it's possible, but just on a thought level, it just astounds me that you could do that. It's magic. It's like magic. You're not amazed. I'm not amazed. It's so cool, though. I'm sorry. It solved a great problem of mine. That's okay. That's good. I'm glad. And now the Wi-Fi is nice and strong down this end of the house. Why aren't you amazed I'm, at this? It's, it's, it's the power it's, of copper wires, it's Greg. Like, it's electronic. It's the way of the future. Copper wires everywhere. That's why we're here to the node. It's amazing. It's just wiring. I didn't. Okay, that's a filter, and that's yeah. I know. Not well. I it, know what it is. I was like, okay, that's yes. But it has to filter out all the the like. Like it's running power, yeah. and now it's running signal. Yeah, yeah. Isn't the, you don't find that? No, no. That's oh, standard. That's pretty bog standard. That's like you can get internet off the. Yeah, I'm not. Sorry. Of what? They can pick up internet signals from electrical wires. They've been doing it for years. They, they send these signals through the through the power cables in places that can't get access to it. It's, maybe it's just because I know about it. Wow! Uh, yes. I didn't know any oh, of this existed! <laughs> sorry. sorry. No I, wonder you're not amazed. <laughs> sorry, yes. And because people were complaining. In Britain, they do it all the time. This is just and, like the automatic wipers on the car sorry, all over again. Sorry. No, because no, people were complaining because people were having their internet spied on. Because when you put an electrical signal through a power line, then it, it creates a magnetic field. And you put a little box close enough to the power line, then you can can see what people are doing on the internet because you can the signal can be looked Get at the fuck out right. this is something in britain that's been going on for years so but sorry i wasn't that's why i was like well i'm from australia <laughs> we're very right. backward here <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry i'm sorry i apologize i'm sorry i didn't mean to yay oh, oh shut up <laughs> i didn't need your pity excitement i'm sorry this is old technology. It's like you're tell, telling me how mills work. <laughs> it sort of feels like, like, oh. It crushes grain, Greg! You, you don't have to grind grain up with your teeth. You can actually crush it into a powder and you make bread and pasta. It's amazing! <laughs> don't tell him about steam engines. Thank you to Daniela Martin from Girl Meets Bug, who told us all about, of course, eating of bugs. Holy crap, I want to eat a bug. I just want to eat it. I want to grab it and wrestle to the floor and eat it. I mean, it is really odd. I started the interview and going, oh, my God, eating bugs. How awful. Mm. And now I've gone and I've already edited it. <laughs> Uh, in that, in that, during the the sting, that's pretty. The end of it. That was pretty fast. quick. You are fast. Nimble fingers. Well done, sir. I've already edited it, and by the end of it, I was like, God, I really do want a mealworm taco now. There you go. 
Excellent. We have a have another convert. We'd love to hear what you think about that, actually, because I'm really interested in the whole idea of, of bug farming and ethical meat production and, and protein production. Anyway, it's really, I think it's a really interesting idea. I only want bugs that are bred inside cows and eat their way out <laughs> and then eat those bugs. That's how I feel about that. I see. I only want bugs that, that prey on cute seals. That's what I want. <laughs> I like that all these wasps, they sting a seal and they lay its eggs and it eats it. I love the idea of, of Dan standing there facing like a xenomorph alien from Aliens. Like it, as it bursts out of someone's chest, like, ah, oh, yum! Mmm, <laughs> acidic You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And Greg at smartenough.org. Please follow us on Twitter at SE2KB. And Facebook on SE2KB as well. And go and, sub- if you're listening sort of one at a time, go and mm. subscribe. Subscribe! I found a new podcast app. Thanks to our mate in Canada, Carrington Vanston, mm-hmm. he posted about this thing called Overcast for Over. your iPhone, Ooh. which he recommends as an iPhone podcast player. And it's it, I've had a bit of a play with it. Mm-hmm. It seems much better than the iTunes podcast app. And, and this is the one that gets gets bundled into into iPhones. iPhones get get the podcast one. Yes, this one you can get for free, and then you pay six bucks to get the special uh, extras and stuff. Okay, so get every, you know this is an this is an unpaid plug. That's right. But I just want to make your life easier. It's true. Listen. For listening he to the podcast, you. he cares for you. So I, I've come into the into the uh, smartphone a bit of comedy blimp. Mm meeting room and Dan's just been sobbing quietly Mm. when I've asked him what was wrong he said the listeners Greg what about the listeners and I just just, so many feels there's this cool thing now on the iTunes one you can double the speed Mm. of the audio yes and it it just sounds like chipmunks Mm. I find it really difficult to listen to but on this one you can increment it in like 10 little bits so you make it just a little bit faster or a little bit faster than that but you can also make it just a little bit slower (laughs) and I had to listen to it and we sound Drunk. Excellent. So, so load that up and have a bit of a go and make make us sound drunk. It's <laughs> much more fun. The drunker you get, the drunker will become. That's that'd be good too. You keep drinking, and then I am not advocating drinking whilst podcasting. Now, if you would like to get a smart enough, no better official logo T-shirt, official logo, get along to smartenough.org and click on the link that says T-shirt. Official T-shirt. Official t-shirt. It's in the show notes for this episode. So you only have three weeks. Three weeks yeah. from. From the podcast. That's from today when the podcast comes mm. out. So that's like November 22nd or something. There don't, you go. Don't wait up to the don't, wire don't either. Wait. That's Just, a don't, don't leave us. Don't leave us hanging there, listeners. Get no. in there. Go in early. Go and have a look at the design. It's and designed by a really wonderful artist by the name of Dan Beeston. Oh, it's a great, it's a great show. I, I like actually show. know what I'm doing when it comes to printing up T-shirts. He does. He actually does. And you'll be proud to wear it on your chesticle area. Yep. Wait, what? If you are in the Brisbane area... The greater southeast corner of Queensland, even. Or you want to stick us on a jet... And fly us into the sun. Or a bus. And fly us into the sun. Which sun? Is that... that, that, that any sun. Chad! Yay! Okay. And you would like some premium entertainment, or you mm. have the need for some sort of MC services. Masters of ceremony. Your old pals, Greg and Dan, we realise that we're actually pretty good at that sort of stuff. We're awesome. We're professionals. We are. Though. But we never mention it on the podcast. I know. We actually do this for part of a living. We're so. trying to monetize this a little bit. And we are. Not smart enough. Don't worry. Yeah. The podcast is free. The podcast is free. That's right. But if you want us to actually turn up to an event... That's true. You could just pay us... Yeah, money. And we'll do that. Not even lots of money. So it's really great for stuff like corporate events... Mm-hmm. Or parties, 
Yeah. Or we can even do a science show with all singing, all dancing, with explosions and things like that. Well, we will actually explain some science and probably cover you in goo. That'd be good too. You know what I was thinking? Mm. I was thinking it'd be fun to put on a smart enough no better a seance. <laughs> Wouldn't that, that would be, be great? That would be great. We Turn can... up and then we and go, we're scientists. And, now... and then use science to trick everyone. And then at the end go, ah, it wasn't really your loved ones contacting you. <laughs> those those heartfelt moments of affection were actually fictional. And, no, oh, actually, no, this is going to, this is played out badly. This is, <laughs> Don't do that. Full but idea. if you are interested in having us come, come to the website, click on the full hire tab, and you'll see everything we can do for you. The services we are legally allowed to perform in your home, on you, or with you. And if it doesn't have what you want us to do on there, yes. then you could always contact us and ask us to do something. That's right. Although I feel like I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm opening up a Pandora's box there. And you go and you go only you ever do that through Dan at smartenough.org, of course. Yeah. All the all the things you need Dan to do to you uh, with you, and that's where you go. I hope it doesn't get automatically filtered into my porn folder. <laughs> and as we always like to say, for my smizma. I should let you guys know, fair warning, I am eight months pregnant. Right. So sometimes... <laughs> if the interview lasts a month, then it might right. suddenly stop right. very quickly. I might quickly. go into labor, so right. keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah. That would in be which brilliant. case, you know, we can talk, but only up until I have to start pushing. Right. right. Um, <laughs> Some people get worried about swearing or anything like that. Go for your life. It's fine. We can, okay. So if you feel the urge to go blue, go blue. It's all fine. Hmm. If the labor okay. takes on, that might actually come in very pertinent. Hello? Hello again. Sorry about that. Uh, a toast, I don't know what happened. A to- it's our fault. A toaster on our, in our studio through the breaker, and uh, we lost all the power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Shouldn't have been, uh, shouldn't have been making breakfast. See, that's it. I'd love to hear how this experiment goes. So, oh, I'll email you once if we survive it. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll probably yeah. hear about it in the international papers. Yeah, and well, we wish you all the best success with that science and comedy podcast that you just recently started <laughs> and are at the top of science podcasts yeah, well, yes. on iTunes. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, it's Will Wheaton, or it's Felicia Day, who we love, who we love, and I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing Felicia Day. Oh God, mm. don't bad mouth. Do you think you should be on our podcast? I can get a number. <laughs> I know where, I know where her phone <laughs> number is. Yeah, I can turn person. up at her place. Ah oh, no, uh. no, no, no. Welcome to episode eighty of Smart Enough to Know Better. Uh, uh, damn it! Welcome. Uh. Uh, welcome to episode 80 This is Smart- Dan at smartenough.org <laughs> Welcome blah. Why don't we look it up? Oh yeah You have a computer, you have all these computers Dan I don't know how any of them work And as we always like to say Chesticles Oh no, we don't always like to say that do we? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>